Open up your books, you bad apples. This is the show. We're recording one of these again. Dracula Part 3. Lucas Nord here. Yeah. Cole, and this is Cole Lang. Um, Dracula Part 3. I think I already said that, but we're just going to be getting into more of um, Jonathan and Mina and probably Van Helsing's exploits in this episode. Have we been introduced to the entire cast up to this point yet? I think we're still missing a few key characters, huh? I believe so. Uh, we are... Yeah, we've been introduced to our Jonathan Harker. He, he's he's in a little bit of a hiatus right now. You know, he's uh, not having a good time. He's just kind of... He's got that brain fever I was trying to make say, it back home. <laughs> yep, he's got the brain fever... Uh, just a touch of it. Yeah, just a touch. Um, you know, we got our Van Helsing. He plays a giant role here. And I didn't even think of this, but he's kind of like a Leonardo da Vinci. You know, he's he's this uh, doctor, and he has, like, all these different, like, pronouns in front of uh, his name. He's got, like, MD, um just a bunch of them like he's a jack of all trades really yeah, like he's a real renaissance man yeah exactly um and he's not afraid to believe in the you know the weird stuff in life uh the extraterrestrial stuff or or supernatural that'd probably be better yeah as they uh, say life is like stranger than fiction uh um and then we got Lucy. Lucy's been having a tough time. You know, she's having all this weird stuff going on. Uh, she's got these marks on her throat. Like, they look like teeth mark, you know, from a vampire. Oh. Um, yep. And they just keep on opening, and she needs all these blood transfusions. Um so yeah she's trying to recover from that and van helsing's like helping her out a lot and to make matters worse there's been a lot of weird stuff going on there's been a this ship that just kind of floats to shore and it has this dead captain on it and this giant wolf hops off of it and just runs into the wilderness ever um, since that ship washed up things have just been a little funny yeah something strange is going on uh, and we're well. We know. Me and Lucas know what's going going on. But uh, for this yeah. town, things are gonna get a little uh, out of hand. Yeah, I read the book. I'll admit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, that's what's been going on. And the last part we left off in part two was. Van Helsing, he's just basically doing all these treatments and he's really he's really heavy into the garlic. You know, he thinks the garlic is helping out Lucy. Um and it seems to be doing pretty well, you know, yes, repelling uh whatever evil spirits may be at bay. So yep, that's just kind of where we're leaving off here. Um and yeah, any any thoughts on the previous parts from uh, for Dracula? We obviously talked about how the book just starts off with that great horror story and then goes pretty glacial after that for quite a bit of the book. But um, at this point, at least, I'm not going to call the first part or what I suppose would be like the second part of our recording and that part of the book. I wouldn't call it boring. It's necessary stuff, but... We are through one of the probably slower parts of the book, and now we're getting into some of the real meat of the story with this one. Yeah, more, I would say, more vampire stuff, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. the book is about a vampire, so. Yeah, um, Lovitz, Lucy being sick, uh, what... There's like great world building, but yeah, now this is where it starts to ramp up. It's it's a slow burn, I'd say. Oh yeah. Yep. So let's um, do it. Let's do it. Part three. All right. So after Doctor Van Helsing hangs garlic all around the room, you know he's putting it around the windows, and 
He's just got it all over. That room is probably pretty unpleasant um, if you're a person or a vampire, to be honest. I was just going to uh, say, though, unless you really love the smell of garlic, it, yeah, you're probably right. It is probably pretty unpleasant. You know, I just need, like, one or two cloves, you know? Yep. Anything above that, it's like, ooh-wee. And, yeah, he's probably got about a hundred cloves. Are cloves the chunks of garlic, or is it the entire... Yeah, the cloves are the little things. Oh, so, okay, like, sure. there's, there's probably close to thousands, you know? Yeah. Oh, it smells like garlic, I bet. Yeah, for sure. Um... And so now we are introduced to Lucy's mom, who's like, uh, you you know, Lucy, she's like, she gets into the picture and she's like, Lucy's doing great. Um, And then Van Helsing, he's like, you know, this is all because of the garlic. You know, this isn't me. This is the magic of the garlic. And then the mom's like, well, actually... It's because of me, because um, there's a bit too much garlic, so I took everything down because it smelled, uh, (laughs) yeah, not good news for the doctor here. This this mom kind of messes things up, throws a wrench in the machine, if you would. Yeah, she said that she got rid of all the garlic that was like, um, you know, well, whatever, medicinally placed there. Van Helsing, he's doing things unorthodoxly, but uh, he seems like he know what he's, uh, knows what he's talking about, I would think. Yep, exactly. And, uh, yeah, the mom just comes in here and she's like, well, here's the problem, and oh throws the garlic all out the window. <laughs> she's got garlic poisoning is what it is. Too many garlic <laughs> fumes. That's why she's so sickly. Uh, of course, of course. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, she says that uh, the smell is quote horrible, strong smelling flower. So um, yeah, I mean she's probably not wrong. Like it probably smelled pretty bad. But yeah, Van Helsing, he um, you know he he is a man who can hold his composure. So like when she says this, he's like, you know what, this woman's been going through a lot. This is her. Or, yeah, this is her daughter. Um, but once she leaves, he's like, oh, my God, what the hell did she just do? Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, he's professional. Yeah, very. Yeah, he's a doctor. Yep. Um, and so they rush her to a room, or they rush to her room, and she is almost dead. Like, she's very close to her final death. And... Van Helsing, he's like, you know what? You boys have given so much blood. Um, Straight it's time the, for me. Yeah, we talked about uh, one of the more horrific parts of this book, when I think about it, is the on-the-spot blood transfusions. I stick this uh, needle into your elbow, and then I literally, it's like three feet long, and then I just stick the other needle into her elbow, and then you just keep on pumping that arm, buddy. Blood, blood types don't exist. We yep. talked about this. Yep, they don't exist. Um, it's it's a conspiracy. Um, but, yeah, it's almost comical, like, the amount of times oh. that uh, blood has to be transfused here. This is the uh, third time, I think? I think so. Oh. Yeah, I, yeah, it happens a lot, <laughs> like, to the point that it's like, all right, Lucy, she's struggling. I understand. Yep. Um but so yeah he's like sucking the blood out of himself sending it to lucy and he's like he goes to the mommies with the blood tube in his arm he's like don't ever do that again because this sucks i'm being drained (laughs) um my life essence yeah my vitality um and so Lucy, she recovers a little bit, and she, uh, for the next few days, she feels pretty good. Uh, but the dang bats are back at the window. You know, they're just fluttering at the window, just kind of fluttering their wings, hitting them, and like bumping into it. So, another weird occurrence that it just keeps happening here. Yep. And next, there's an article, um, and once again, we have like a, like a person being interviewed, and they have a terrible accent, and I just didn't really 
catch up on what was going on, but um, they reported that a large wolf escaped a zoo, and the next morning it has a bunch of shards of glass on it, like just all over him. Yeah, that was another... That snippet was another part of the few random journal entries that aren't written by whatever, like three or four of the main characters. It came from like a newspaper article or something like that. And the guy was once again written to have like that very flavorful, crazy accent just written out that is pretty incomprehensible. But yeah, as you just said, you do basically get the gist by the end of it. And it is a pretty weird story. The guy's pretty nonchalant about a wolf like breaking out of its cage and potentially wreaking havoc on the townspeople. Yeah, like this chill. is Yeah, this is literally terrorizing the local townsfolk and all the kids are making up like, you know, legends and all that stuff. Um yeah, like the wolf is a pretty interesting part of this story. Um and yeah, like we we talked about it last episode how there's like the like scrapbook almost like a uh, collection of letters and news articles. We'll find yep. out who puts it together. I didn't uh, pick up on it uh, because I'm almost done, but I figured out who put it all together. It's very interesting. Very nice. Dr. Seward, he is busy one night, you know, with his obsession, which is Renfield. And like he's going through his notes and... Well, Renfield busts through the door, and he has this crazy look on his face. Um, Like, this is very scary. And he attacks the doctor by slitting his wrists and starts to lick the doctor's blood up, quote, like Uh, a dog, and, and saying repeatedly, quote, the blood is the life. The blood is the life. He's, I mean, he's not wrong. And I just got to say before we get too far away from it, it's, uh, I think it probably should be said that Renfield had a crazy er look on his face because this entire time, as we'll recall, he's oh, been, yeah. uh, I mean, the entire book, he's been hanging out with the doctor, the good doctor. Um, and he's, uh, eaten flies and, trying to eat birds and spiders and he's just well yeah he's all about that life essence everyone's kind of all about that life essence in that book and i get it you know yeah maybe just not so much the literal sucking of the blood or eating of the flies yeah just live your own life renfield you don't gotta absorb everybody else's come on wow very rude that's deep yeah so yeah like he just busts through the door and I guess he didn't kill him, but, I mean, still not a good thing to do. No. Uh, yeah, don't don't be doing that. Don't be... Renfield's bad. Um, so, next, Van Helsing sends a telegram to Dr. Seward saying that he must spend the night with Lucy tonight. But it arrives late, and Dr. Seward does not get the message. Ooh, so this is actually the night that the wolf escapes that we mentioned earlier when it escapes the zoo and it has broken shards all over it and uh, Lucy is actually awakened by a wolf howling outside her window so her mom is also scared and joins her in the room (sighs) then the window shatters and a huge wolf just like pokes its head through like it smashes through this window and it just like stares at them and it's like just observing them and it's very weird and like in terror the mom tears away the garlic necklace from her daughter as the mother dies from a heart attack yep um, that was another thing that was brought up so much through the beginning parts of the book is Lucy's mother and no matter what's going on with Lucy we gotta keep uh, her mom in the dark because one more shock and she's done for they literally say it about her about 50 times in like 100 pages oh well you know 
Lucy's sick, but don't tell her mom. Oh, you know, Lucy's getting worse. Don't tell her mom. If she has one more shock, then something bad's going to happen. And that, you know, if you know anything about uh, how someone writes a story, you don't introduce that unless it comes into play later. Chekhov's gun. Uh, if you got a wall, um, or if you got a gun on the wall in the first act, you better shoot it by the third. Oh, yep. I like that. Che- Chekhov's gun? Yep. I, uh, forget the specifics of where that phrase came from, but it's very, it's very prominent in writing. If I'm, you know, I mean... Uh, like, yeah. just kind of like foreshadowing a big plot tool, I guess. Something like that. Or okay. just, or yeah, basically just saying, you know, you don't bring something up like that unless it's going to come into the story later, and then you kind of wonder... Instead When's it of come into play? yep yep instead of wondering if she's gonna get the big shock you keep wondering what the big shock is gonna be and that's exactly what this is here it's a wolf busting a window out and you know bleeding everywhere and stuff like that a wolf that just went missing from the zoo interestingly enough yeah and this thing's ginormous um, yeah very very interesting uh, and yeah the mom definitely reminds me of. The mom in it that's like the helicopter parent that makes uh the eddie. kid yeah eddie makes him believe he has all these things but really it's just placebo yep uh, yep so yep and so the maids they come in there because they're pretty well off i think and they are terrified um they go to the di- dining room to have a glass of wine which i think is kind of messed up they're like oh this is our final moment and they leave lucy to her own yeah she'll be fine yeah hopefully we'll see um but the wine is actually drugged and so like they pass out and she's like she brings out her diary and she's writing her like last words to Ar- to Arthur if this is actually her last night on earth. Yeah, pretty pretty crazy we, name. Yeah. Yeah, very lively. You know, it definitely wasn't quiet. Nope. That's for sure. Mhm. Um so the next day, Dr. Seward and Dr. Van Helsing arrive to see the damage. Because they're both freaking out. You know, like, Dr. Van Helsing was like, you need to be there tonight, and Dr. Seward just got this message in the morning. So Lucy, she is not looking too good. Um, And the wounds on her neck have reappeared, and Van Helsing says, we gotta get the brandy and rub this all over. We need to get it on her lips, the wrists, um, and while you're at it, go get the... uh, maybe the Jägermeister, you know? Mm. We need everything here. A little brandy bath. Yeah, yep. And out of nowhere, Lucy's previous suitor, Quincy, uh, she had three suitors. Um, At one point in the story, she's like, oh, why can't a girl marry any guy she wants and have multiple husbands? Um, (laughs) The Mormons do it. Yeah, just very casual. Lucy, um, you know... She's ahead of her time. She is ahead of her time, uh, but she's the perfect target for, um, let's say, maybe uh, immortal, vampiric, horny man. Um, Because Mm. Lucy, she is... You know, she popular with the boys. She's popular with the boys. She's got. She doesn't have a face for radio. Let's just put it that way. Mm. Um, She's very pretty, Um, but Lucy still a good character. Like you know, sure she wants to have multiple partners, but I wouldn't say she's a bad character. Meanwhile, Mina, who is Jonathan's uh, fiance slash. You're talking about Jonathan and Mina? Yeah. They're, they're married. They're married. Yeah, they're married. Yeah, right right when he gets back, they get married on the hospital bed. Yep, yep. Um, so Mina is like this very strong character, strong, independent woman. Yeah. Um, uh, 
it might have been set up to this point, but this whole group through the book gets very tightly knit when the whole cast is put together, and it's pretty funny because they all talk about Mina like that, like, she's got the soft heart of a woman with the abilities of a man or yeah. something like that, the brain of a man. It's like, just it's like slightly about... demeaning, but he means yeah. well. Uh... Yeah, right, I guess it's just how you'd write about it, or how you'd like talk about it back then, but yeah, they just talk about that every single time. They're like, well... She's got all the best qualities of being a woman and the best qualities of strong, burly men. Can't just, you know, women can't just uh, also be strong themselves back in those days, I guess. She's got to be like a man. Yep, she's got hands like a man, too. Yep. Oh, yeah, she might. <laughs> yep, um, but yeah, that's a good point. So, like, um, you know, there's definitely the gender roles here. Like, we see it time after time where blood is needed for lucy because she's kind of the damsel in distress in this one and then you got mina who's gonna be this very strong character that is uh everyone just loves you know yeah i get it uh yep so that is very we'll play into that more as we get it more into the story here uh but we don't want to spoil too much yeah like this man Quincy comes in and uh, instantly Dr. Van Helsing's like, all of us have given up all our blood. <laughs> They're just like crawling on the floor. Yep. Um, We're all bloodless. He's, he's like, I know this lady did not accept your marriage proposal, but she needs blood right now. So get to pump it. And <laughs> Quincy... He's uh he's a great guy. He's like, oh man, I'll roll my sleeve up right here, right now. Yep, exactly. And just to like put it further into these uh, gender roles we have here, like the, you know, knight in shining armor, Doctor Van Helsing says, "quote A brave man's blood is the best thing on this earth when a woman <laughs> is in trouble." <laughs> <laughs> And that's exactly what it is to um, each one of our ensemble cast. And, you know, like I said, we're still kind of getting to know them, so I won't say too much, but each person does have very distinct attributes. Lucy's so strong-minded. They talk about how Jonathan is uh, soft-hearted, but, you know, the most determined and optimistic man ever, and Quincy is specifically like the... um, the southerner who's always wearing like his cowboy hat and his suit or whatever and he's written yeah. with one of those accents too even the though american yep yeah, even though it isn't written quite as crazily as the other ones are he's still like howdy shucks i sure am from america you guys that's that's like how a lot of this stuff is written <laughs> not that i mind him <laughs> Oh, man, you guys need American breakfast here. Oh. You guys need a brave man's blood. Yeah. That's a great yeah. quote. It is, and it, it, says, it says a lot about, like, the gender roles in this. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so Quincy, you know, he's like, all right, um, I, I'll put this dang tube in my arm, but what the hell's going on? Didn't she just get, like, a whole man's blood oh. yesterday? <laughs> this, uh, I mean, well, it, it might be obvious to some people, so maybe we shouldn't say it for people like me who, reading this right away, I didn't understand where her blood kept going until, like, the, you know, third or fourth transfusion. Yeah. But, but I guess that hasn't been officially... Um, explained or whatever in the book, yeah. But did you know what was going on right from the get? I figured it was something with like vampire needing blood, but Ugh. I mean, where's it all going? You know, is she taking bathroom breaks and all the all this blood is, uh, you know, doing women natural stuff? I don't know. Um. Well, you, well, I mean, you know, like I said, we'll officially talk about what uh, is going on with her blood, but that'll be later on. Yeah, yeah, Quincy, he's trying to figure out the questions we're asking, like, what the hell's going on? And Dr. Seward's the realist, you know, he's the, 
he doesn't want to dive off into the crazy maybe natural medicines and supernatural stuff and he's like i don't know what's going on either like this is crazy um and lucy she starts to look a little bit better um and she asks for her fiance to be there and he arrives with which you know helps out a lot so mina she's out and about um she's on her way back and not knowing of lucy's current condition she lets her know that she is now married to jonathan and they have returned to england and an assistant of dr seward informs him that renfield has once again escaped and attacked two men that were transporting boxes once again we got these wooden boxes um yeah, like at this point, Renfield just needs to be in a straitjacket, and you know, it would be better up. for everyone. Yeah, because he is causing chaos. Yep, raising a little bit too much hell. Um, Raise a little master. hell, like yeah. uh, like I did to um, and it must have been the last episode of the one before, comparing him to. The Game of Thrones is Daenerys Targaryen. Renfield, he's going to come into play with everyone else later, but right now he is completely uh, uninvolved with everything in that situation. You know what I mean? He's just, he's his own little story for the time being. Um, On his little island. Yep, completely away from everything else. Renfield is basically at Dragonstone right now. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, that's a good... I had no idea where that was going, but yes, yes. I totally agree. Um, Me too. And, yeah, he he's just also like uh, Henry Bowers from It, where he's just Ooh. waiting for his master, and he's really crazy. You know, um, this is more of a just book-related thing. Up to this point, uh, for the podcast, we've been talking about specific books, but this is just more unrelated book talk, but uh, reading the Song of Ice and Fire books made me realize that a thousand pages actually isn't so bad for a book, so I'm definitely going to have to be reading it here soon. Yeah, it's That's a like good 1200 one. or whatever. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I, uh, I really do want to read that one now. It's a good one, yeah. It, people complain about um, you know, the world development and like the characters and stuff, but I mean, I enjoyed it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so Renfield, he is attacking these men. He is, like, slamming a man's face into the ground multiple times. Ouch. Uh, and this dude's so strong. Like we said in the last episode, like, he has the strength of a lion. And it takes multiple men to stop him while he rants about his master. Um, and next, Mina informs Lucy that Jonathan's boss has mysteriously died. Yep, Jonathan, he's in the solicitor business. He's doing that deal for Dracula. And now he has mysteriously passed away. The boss that sent Jonathan in his place because he uh, was experiencing a bout of gout or something like that, I think it was. He was not going to do any traveling anytime soon, so he said, you know what, I would normally go do this, but I'm going to send my boy Johnny, he's my best guy, and we all love him. Jonathan's the best. Yep. yep. You know, maybe this is uh, a little bit of a... I like this this uh, comparison, but I'm watching Attack on Titan. Uh, I'm in the... I think, yeah, I just started season three. But Jonathan, you know, he kind of reminds me of Aaron Yeager. You know, he's uh, he's got the spirit, but oh my god, he gets his ass kicked so hard by Dracula in that first part. Yeah, he does. Just like uh, Aaron does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but once again, not finished yet. Another, and yeah, another perfect comparison. Game of yeah. Thrones and Attack on Titan. Dracula is just like both of those things. Man, what other um, nerdy reference can we get in here before the episode ends? We'll find oh, out. We got, yeah, we got time. Yeah, we got time. So Lucy, once again, like that whole 
being stripped of the garlic really messed her up. <laughs> and uh, oh and my God. she's she's showing like little signs of improvement, but um, she is really close to death. And Van Helsing puts garlic all over her. But um, she rips the garlic necklace from her throat like during her sleep. Uh, she just kind of automatically does it. And a bat like shows up by the window again. Like it's just fluttering and hitting it. Um, the next morning, Van Helsing observes her and exclaims, Mein Gott! Uh, which is just, my God. Um, oh. In German. Uh, he's exclaiming this as these wounds on her neck have disappeared because, like, there are these big gaping holes, but they're not there anymore. Um, and he's like, okay, uh, she actually doesn't have long. Because oh. he knows what's going on. Yeah, he knows pretty quickly off the bat compared to everyone else. Yeah, he studies this shit. Um, and he enjoys it. Um, you, you, and you gotta love your job, you know? Well, you gotta try at least. Um, her fiance comes into the room, and Lucy, Lucy's like, uh, "Come kiss me, yeah, yeah, handsome man." Mm-hmm. And that's my best seductive voice. Yeah, um, not bad. I give it a seven <laughs> out of ten. Thank you, thank you. Um, and he is stopped by by Van Helsing, who says, "Uh, just hold her hand for now, because she's looking." Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't maybe need a bit, kisses. Yeah, maybe a bit supernatural right now. Um, and so she drifts into a sleep, and Dr. Seward notices her teeth are now very long and sharp. Ooh. And she wakes up, and it's almost like, uh, I guess, like, when I think of this part of the story, I just think of any time you see the exorcist or, like, any exorcism, but, like, they wake up, and they have like a totally different voice and you know those demons are horny as hell um and that's what she is right now she's like arthur come kiss me (laughs) you know uh on the lips though so you're right next to my sharp teeth kiss Um, me goodbye yep and arthur's like oh heck yeah i've been waiting for this for ever since we got married um, yep. and van helsing basically like tackles him and lucy she does not like this because she was about to bite her man right on the neck van and, helsing is cool as a cucumber though yep he's you know he's got it under control yep very competent he, yep um, and he tells Arthur, you know, you can kiss her on the forehead, and Lucy dies. But as she dies, she regains her beauty because she's not, she, like we've been saying, she's a beautiful woman, but this past, these past few days have been rough. And she was looking rough, but as she dies, she becomes more beautiful, which is mm. very interesting. Not usually how that works. No, no, I would not say so. Um, usually, you have to wait for the mortician, you know. Oh, put uh, the uh, put the makeup on, um, sap all your bodily juices out, and replace them with other things. Mm-hmm. Like she's ready to go in that coffin. No yep. mortician needed. No, thank yep. you. People and... died differently back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Times have changed. Yep. Um, yep. And now these dang millennials, we're still getting screwed. We got we to gotta pay for the mortician. Uh, yep. Uh, but, so before the funeral, Dr. Seward and Van Helsing are looking at Lucy's body. And this is, like, so funny. Like, they mentioned this probably 30 times but they're like i can't believe how beautiful lucy looks when she's dead uh, <laughs> like, yeah, they just, just keep on complimenting her they're all sitting in the room and they're like all right i know that this is tragic but i just gotta say she is looking so beautiful right now <laughs> oh my god yeah i've been thinking it the entire time i could just kiss her right now yep. uh, 
take her on a date. Um, you can see the points of her teeth on her bottom lips because they've gotten so prolonged and sharp. But I mean, yeah. other than that, she is just looking wonderful. Yeah, she's looking a little bit of a bad girl, but I think that's why I like her. Ooh. Um, and so Van Helsing, he comes down there with like a lot of flowers, garlic flowers, that is. And he spreads them all over her and he places a crucifix right in her mouth. Um, so he's just like doing this weird ritual. And he's like, all right, we're just going to place this uh, crucifix not on your body, but I'm just going to stick it in your mouth here, open up, open wide, and yep. there it goes. Here comes the train. Um, and then he tells Dr. Seward to bring autopsy knives and tells oh. him that they will need to cut off her head and take out her heart. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I feel like Van Helsing could have, um, you know, eased them into this process a bit more, but now he's just, like, gone full, like, yeah, we need to basically rip her body apart. And everyone's she's, just kind of like, what do you know? <laughs> she's been dead for five minutes. Yeah, it's time to get this dang head off her. He's, yeah, he is just ready for him. Yeah. But he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Seward is like, uh, okay. And then Van Helsing's like, you know, things are going to get strange. I know they're strange now, but you just wait because there are very terrible days ahead and Oof. they must work together. So how, how foreboding of him. Yeah. Yep. He knows that something's going to be going down here soon. Things are getting worse before they're getting better. Yep. So, so the next night, they look at her body and discover that the crucifix has disappeared. Huh. Um, you know, she swallowed just, it, up. Yeah, it's gone. Uh, she's very hungry. But yeah, she actually wasn't a woman of God. She was Jewish. So they, you know, the caretakers or whatever had to get it get a the star of david um uh just kidding uh but <laughs> yeah that's what that, that's funny i put a i put a crucifix on her tongue not a star of david <laughs> yeah uh, oh my boss is gonna fire me after that one you might um, think though this book does have some very christian overtones because they they're constantly talking about the cross uh you know, being used as a deterrent for Dracula, um, and, well, and, and, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, that's the thing, um, so, oh, yeah, it's, it's, like, so hard to kind of explore the themes here, because you might remember Dracula, he was, he hasn't really been present in the, in this story, um, but, yeah, like, Dracula, he's coming, and Dracula basically represents everything that is against Victorian society. Um, so that means like more voluptuous women, uh, more sex appeal, and a lot more danger. Honestly, um, I don't like the danger part, but the other things, you know, <laughs> those sound pretty nice. Yeah, keep it safe. Um, so yeah. Exactly, like, um, Dracula just represents this, like, counter, counter culture, I guess, that he's bringing from another country. So, yeah, basically, what I was getting at is, there's a lot of parts where they say, oh, through the, through the grace of God, or, you know, God's destiny has been willed, God's this, God's that, they, they bring up a lot of, a lot of God and Jesus in this book. Not that I mind that, but... Basically, what I was getting at when I started talking about that was I wonder if, uh, like, all sorts of religious, um, you know, religious pendants may work against some sort of a vampire, or is it strictly Christianity? I guess it all depends on who you ask. Yeah, I don't know. Um, because, I mean, this version of a vampire obviously is, like, in a... A devil. Like England, you know, where Christianity was very flourishing and all, all that. Um, but yeah, I'm sure 
in other cultures yeah you'd use your whatever your god may be um but yeah like just like um victorian society a big part of that was christianity and to have this like devilish presence is just like um you know it it turns the world upside down that Um, that as well too you talking about how dracula is bringing sex appeal and danger uh that danger part really can't be understated because it's obviously been brought up so much he's like really screwing things up uh for this entire town while he's hanging around you know um just doing dracula type things but um one of the things that maybe isn't being spelled out so much just through talking about it is dracula's motivations do seem to strictly be for the sake of being evil like he's got no grand plan he's literally just he's making this move to do exactly what he's doing right now he's making people miserable he's sapping them of their life will and essence and stuff and just like being this completely overbearing presence of dread that they don't even know about up to this point pretty much yeah and honestly i i don't think okay so like you know dracula is barely mentioned after jonathan is done it's like for a novel being called dracula yeah, you'd think he would be more of a presence, have more of a presence in this story, but <sighs> yeah, exactly. Like he's just, he's just messing with people, and he's very smart. He's very cunning. Oh yeah. Um, you know, he bragged about the war history of his ancestors, and that definitely um, plays a part in how clever his plan is here, um, which we'll we'll get more into. But yeah, obviously all this weird stuff is connected to him and the rest the characters in the story just really don't know what's going on besides van helsing so yep he's keeping his secrets yeah <laughs> keep your secrets yep all right then <laughs> yeah like um so they're once again looking at the coffin they notice that the crucifix is gone um and the her fiance comes and they all look at her and they just can't believe that she's dead because she's so beautiful right now like once again (laughs) (laughs) like the husband comes down and they're like oh my god just look at her lips right now and and then he he comes down he's like why are you checking out my dead wife Uh. Uh, (laughs) um and then so van helsing he asks for the you know like the official um cause of death the papers and everything from the fiance so they can get some clues and he watches the coffin all night now it transitions to jonathan and mina who are on a train in london that is mostly empty and mina is looking at a beautiful woman when jonathan freaks out when he sees a tall man with a black mustache who he's very convinced is dracula He, like, completely freezes up, just completely standing still. They're out having a nice time. Jonathan is mostly over his brain fever, and then he's just... He goes into complete shock. Yeah. Like, this is... Ah, this is such a cool thing for, um... Because we don't hear about Dracula, like, officially, until this part of the book. And he's just chilling on the train, and this time around, he's got a black mustache. Um, so, like, Mina, he sees him too. Like, uh, Jonathan is not seeing this in his head. Um, he has pale skin, sharp teeth, and red lips. And he is, like, eyeballing this pretty girl. And he doesn't even notice Jonathan's freak out. Because, I mean, at this point, Dracula's probably, like, everything is so inferior to me. Um, it doesn't even matter. And so Jonathan says, like, this looks like Dracula, but if he was very young. Um, which is interesting if you compare that to Lucy as well. You know, like, she's looking beautiful, 
and Dracula, when we first met him, he, you know, he had white and gray hairs. Yep. But now he has color again. Well, just in his hair, but he's very pale. Yep. But he, you know, he's like full of vitality or something. Yeah, as, as someone's been drinking some blood. Yeah, getting some bl- uh, blood transfu- transfusions at the oh, local hospital. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> he had a buffet. Uh, yeah, London, good eating. Uh, oh. So Jonathan, he just goes into a deep sleep, like a trance, and when he wakes up, he doesn't remember anything about the man on the train, and worried about his health. Mina decides it's time to open up his journal and figure out what is going on. Like, what happened at Dracula's castle? Because Jonathan, everything we know is from his journal, and Lucy, or Mina, wants to know. And she also receives the news of Lucy's death. So, uh, Mina, she has a lot of these stressors going on, but she's still going to be a very you know, strong character throughout this. Yep. And so next, a newspaper a newspaper article is shown stating that children have been going missing in the area. And uh, it's the same area where Lucy has been buried. So they all claim that they have been abducted by a woman that they call the Bluefer Lady. Bluefer. Uh, yeah, which I think is very a uh, very interesting name for a local legend. Um, but yeah, some of these children, they'll return home, but they aren't the same children. They got these weird wounds on their neck, much like Lucy's. Oh, jeez. Yep. Oh, this is bad. Yes, it um, is. And so Mina... She reads the journal, and she's very terrified. So she gets into contact with Van Helsing, uh, because it seems like Van Helsing knows what's going on, um, and she wants to know about like her condition. To, or Van Helsing, he wants to know like what symptoms she had before her death, like uh, what Lucy was going through, like the sleepwalking and all of that. He wants to know. Just so he can, like, officially confirm that um, the symptoms are, I don't know, maybe vampirism. Um, and she gives him Jonathan's diary. And Van Helsing is like, yeah, this all seems true. Like, this is uh, some very good stuff. And just hearing this, Jonathan, his memories start to come back to him. Like, he does not remember anything. But now that he has Dr. Van Helsing with him and he's able to help out, Jonathan is doing much better. I like Jonathan. I'm glad that he's striving. Yeah, yeah, he's suffered a lot throughout this book. Renfield he is now back to his old habits and he's catching insects you know just like the good old days yep uh he's not trying to strangle and murder people he's just you know obsessed with catching spiders and eating them um keeping tallies in his little notebook yeah uh and van helsing he visits dr seward and they discuss the rumors surrounding the boofer the blue fur lady and he points out to Dr. Seward that the marks on their neck, on these children's necks, are the same as Lucy's. And Dr. Seward's like, uh, you know, I'm not going to think too much about it because he's more of a realist. Um, and he does, you know, he doesn't want to entertain that stuff. So Van Helsing, he tries to convince him to believe in things beyond science and he basically goes on a rant about like have you ever heard of the uh, legend of uh <laughs> yeah hercules and how he defeated uh some of hades beasts and stuff like that you know yeah. you just got to believe a little bit santa claus Van uh, Helsing you... has a lot of a lot of talking yeah 
it's almost as if like the five years of research that Bram Stoker did, uh, he just poured it all out into like three pages and he's like, look at all these legends and Uh. myths that are somewhat like what's going on here. Um, Pretty wild. Yeah. Oh, and to answer your question, Lucas, you uh, were talking about like, you know, do you think Bram Stoker was more of a scientific man and all that stuff, uh, I think, in the last episode. Um, I would say so, because before this came out Darwin's On the Origin of Species, and, like, all these new thoughts of science and stuff are really starting to take off. So I would say yes. Like, you know, there's not much science-based stuff in here, but I think... As far as his research and all that stuff, like uh, it's it, it was influenced by that. Gnarly. So, yeah, is the turn of the century, and then so he, yeah, like Doctor Van Helsing, he's like, you know, you just gotta believe a little bit. Like Santa Claus, yes, he can make it to every child's house in one night. It's not that hard. Just don't question it. Yeah, just you know, put out the cookies and he'll come. Um, and he's like, you know what? It's actually Lucy. Lucy's the one. Lucy's the one that's making the marks on the neck. And Dr. Seward is like, how dare you, sir? Are you telling me the sharp teeth on her, on her mouth are the ones that are poking children in the same area of the grave that the children are playing in? Um, and he, he's like, you know what? I still respect you. I'll accompany you um, on this investigation. So he goes with him to snoop around and they visit one of the wounded children at the hospital. Um, And they see that this child has the same marks that Lucy did. So, yeah, Dr. Seward, you know, I think he's slowly being warmed up to this idea of all this stuff that uh, Dr. Van Helsing is putting out. Hmm. And afterwards, they go to Lucy's tomb. They open the coffin, but no one is inside it. And Dr. Seward, he's trying to make sense of it. He's like, you know, she was looking really pretty. So, you know, grave robbing, those guys are desperate. Maybe they took her. And he's trying to, like makes sense of all this stuff but he just can't come up with a reasonable explanation so understandable yeah i mean this is very strange stuff i mean i know it's easy to be like oh haha like this is a vampire everyone in this book is so stupid but like as we said this was the book that really launched the popularity of vampires so um and So they keep watch, and Dr. Seward notices a white figure moving through the graveyard, just uh, graciously moving around. And they get closer, and they, you know, they're crawling, and they find a child laying on the ground. Uh, They return to the tomb later and open her coffin, and she is, quote, more more radiantly beautiful than ever so once again just describing how beautiful she looks as if she's getting some source source of life i don't know um and van helsing then convinces him that she's a vampire part of the undead and like he goes on this uh really long tangent about um like traits of a vampire and all that stuff and Dr. Seward, he's starting to believe him more, and he says, quote, We must cut off her head and fill her mouth with garlic and drive a stake through her body. How horrific. Obviously. But up to this point, the book's pretty tame. But they are about to mutilate the corpse of someone that they were all very near and dear with. Well, not all of them, but, you know, it's one dude's wife. Yeah. Like, everyone has, like, some sort of connection. You know, like, Dr. Seward, he actually dated her for a while. You know, he was a suitor, but things just didn't work out. 
But that's okay because he had Renfield. Um, yeah. <laughs> to keep him busy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then Dr. Van Helsing, he's been working so hard to uh, help her. But, you know, you can only do so much against vampires. This is very brutal stuff. This is someone they like very much. And so they meet up with Lucy's fiance and Quincy to tell them that she is undead, basically a vampire. And he asks Arthur, quote, May I cut off the head of dead Miss Lucy? And Arthur is just kind of like, uh, no, but I'll agree to come with to see what the hell is going on. Yeah. So, yep, that's where we'll leave off for this week. Um, and Stuff's picking up. Yeah, like it's, it, it was a slow burn, but I mean, stuff's getting weird here. And it's only going to get even more frightening and violent. So, yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. What do you think of uh, this this stuff here? I am very excited for where the book's going, and all this lead-up is very necessary, and some of it is very scary. This book isn't explicitly um, horror. I think a lot of people would argue what genre it would fit into uh, literature-wise, but um, it does have some really nice, scary elements to it, whether it be the wolf, you know, busting through the window, or just the incessant bat fluttering outside all night, uh, from the smaller things like that to, you know, talking about mutilating, it, uh, mutilating a dead body, it just, it's got something for everyone, it's basically what I'm getting at. Yeah, and it's almost like over the top because I feel like this is just such a counter to, you know, Victorian culture. I keep on bringing it up, but I mean, you didn't talk about this stuff. For someone to read this back then, for like a body to be torn up and, you know, maybe girls wearing short shorts, like that, that would have been crazy. Um, but yeah, I think just like you said, like this is, you know, it, it's dramatic. It's very dramatic, um, but with elements of horror. And like one of my favorite things is like Lucy just, you know, slowly transforming into a vampire as she dies. Yep. But she's like, Arthur, come kiss me. Because it just shows you that she is completely gone. But, um, you know, how do you how do you get over that? Um, yeah, not so only, many... not only has he just, you know, lost the love of his life, but, uh, it's also going to get, I mean, well, I, I mean, you know, we're already talking about where it's led to or where it is potentially leading to or whatever, but, um, yeah, this is just, it's a crazy book. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. And then Lucy, she's, you know, preying on children, which is like the most uncool thing you can do <laughs> yeah it's just don't do that lucy come on um like you can choose some of the the horny men around town all right like they they would enjoy it uh. um but yeah that's that's uh all we got here for part three um anything else lucas mm, i'm ready for part four <laughs> yeah Part four, then part five. So, until yep. then. Yep, until next time. So, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening. And have a good uh, week. Bye bye.
And then if you have trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know. Oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>